Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Last week, this time, when we were doing the ulama profile of Hazrat Murana Alauddin Saab, Mufti Kadodia then posted that Hazrat Mufti Ibrahim Saab Desai, Rahmatullahi Alayhi, had passed away. It's a week now, and we are profiling Hazrat Mufti Ibrahim Desai Saab, Rahmatullahi Alayhi. We would like to welcome our channel Islam listeners as well this evening. We say Ahlan wa Sahlan wa Marhaban Bikum to you. Uh, Mufti Saab was your resident Mufti. He was on air with you almost every week. Many of the times his clip used to go out, and he was obviously the one that was answering the questions on uh, Channel Islam International. We have with us this evening Mufti Saab's son, Mufti Ismail. Before I welcome him, just a brief intro. Mufti Saab is the eldest son of Mufti Ibrahim Saab. He studied Bukhari Sharif under him. He done his ifta as well under him. And for about six years, took advice, was nurtured, was mentored under his honorable father. Issued over 1,800 fatawa under Hazrat Mufti Ibrahim Saab, Rahmatullahi Alayhi. Mufti Ismail also authored a book on Islamic finance. Uh, he called it your brief guide to Islamic finance. And this year was also accepted, alhamdulillah, globally. And uh, many people have done it. His father also wrote the foreword in the book. Mufti Saab is globally recognized in many different different fields and positions as well, being chairperson of the Ulama Advisory Council, uh, Sharia Board of Dubai Gold Exchange, the Sharia Board of Hijaz Financial Services Australia, and Mufti Saab is a whole host of accolades that he has gathered over time. He is the co-host with me this evening, Hazrat Mufti Ismail Saab, Assalamu Alaikum wa Rahmatullahi wa Barakatuh. Wa Alaikum Assalam wa Rahmatullahi wa Barakatuh, Marana Ubaidullah Saab. Mufti Saab, really an honor to have you this evening. And before that, we say just condolences on our side from both Channel Islam, Radio Islam, as well as the Jamiatul Ulama the passing away of Hazrat Walid Saab, Rahmatullah Ali. Jazakumullah khair wa ahsan al-jaza. Indeed, a very, very great loss to the entire ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And inshallah, with this program, we hope to encourage each one of us, inshallah, to adopt, adopt some of the aspects of the life of our beloved Walid Saab and Muslih and Ustad Rahmatullah Ali. <clears throat> Morana, we have many hosts this evening. So our first host is Morana Ahmed Chohan. Uh, perhaps you want to give a brief intro to Morana and then we will speak to Morana, inshallah. Ji, Hazrat Morana Ahmed Chohan Saab, Damat Barakatuhum, is a very senior alim of the country and Morana Ahmed Chohan Saab is the Amir of the Alim Dad Foundation, South Africa and International. He is also the Imam of Masjid al-Salihin based in Sherwood. And he is also the Mudir of Madrasa Islah al-Muslihat. Carry on, Morana. Morana Ahmed Chohan Saab was very close to Hazrat Walid Saab Rahmatullahi. And in fact, they studied at the same madrasa in in Davel in India, and they had a very, very close relationship. Hazrat Parana Ahmed Chohan Saab had performed the Salatul Janaza of my respected father, Rahmatullah Ali. SubhanAllah. Maana Ahmed Saab, Assalamu Alaikum wa Rahmatullah. Wa Alaikum Assalamu wa Rahmatullah wa Barakatuh. Maana Ubaidullah and Maana Ismail Saab, Assalamu Alaikum to you and all the listeners. 
Mana, we have listeners both of Radio Islam as well as Channel Islam. You knew Hazrat Mufti Saab for a very, very long time. Some of your experiences and some of your thoughts regarding Hazrat Mufti Ibrahim Saab. Blessai Rahmatullah. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Nahmuduhu wa nusalli wa nusallim ala Rasulil Karim. Bearing in mind that there are many others that will be joining in the program, I'll keep my interaction with Hazrat Mufti Saab very brief. I had known Hazrat from the time he was a student, from the time we were students, and as a matter of fact, I feel very shy to say that uh, we were students in, from the same institution because he had acquired and obviously he had aspired also, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had granted him great ranks. May Allah ta'ala grant him the highest of Jannatul Fiddos. Amen. Saab, as a student, was a very unique person. Very rarely he would leave his room if it was not necessary, but just for those purposes and for for purposes of research when it was necessary, he would leave his room. And together with that, I have never seen him leave the precincts of the Darul Ulum again unless it was absolutely necessary. He spent all of his time engaged in his studies and his research and everyone that studied with him will bear witness to the fact that besides on the occasions when he needed to come to South Africa and take a flight from Bombay, Hazrat Mufti Saab never left Dabel in itself. And, and this gives us a great idea of the kind of dedication he had to knowledge, to talim and ta'allum from that age already. And during his student days, he was not just a student, but he was involved in giving extra tuition, and of course that was free of charge, to, to any student that would approach him. And one very glaring example was of a friend of ours that Mufti Saab would tutor him insofar as Arabic grammar is concerned. Today that person has progressed, that alim has progressed to become a great scholar of hadith and tafsir and fiqh. But he would always say to me that the way and the manner that Hazrat Mufti Saab had tutored him in Arabic grammar, that still remains his pet subject. And he will always endeavor to teach it whenever it would be possible in the institution that he is teaching. Over and above that, we found that even our Honorable Ustad, Hazrat Mufti Ahmad Kanpuri Saab, would need students to Hazrat Mufti Saab that were studying IFTA. But obviously they would have come from other institutions and joined the Darulum in Dabel uh, at a later stage. And Hazrat Mufti Ahmad Saab wanted them to, to do extra tuition in kitabs, even like Hidayah, a, a fiqh kitab that would be the last fiqh kitab that he studied. And he would say to them, go to Ibrahim Desai and, and study under him. And we had seen this, that Hazrat Mufti Saab would give it his everything insofar as he studies. And even as a student, he's tutoring the others. And it was for him a very, very great pleasure to have taught others. And as a student, Hazrat Mufti Saab was a very, very diligent student insofar as Zikrullah was concerned. Hazrat Mufti Ahmad Saab used to have a zikr, a zikr majlis after Fajr Salat. And with all the other 
dedications of ilm and knowledge, Hazrat Mufti Ibrahim Saab, Rahmatullahi, would always attend that Zikr Majlis very, very diligently on a daily basis. Hazrat, I just want to come to the last 10 years when Mufti Saab had come to Sherwood and he opened the Darul Ifta Mahmoudiyah here in Sherwood. And again, one cannot really describe this personality. It will be a, a real uh, misrepresentation if one says that he was a faqih and a jurist. But when we look at the personality of Hazrat Mufti Saab, he was so comprehensive in every aspect. Faqih insofar as his fiqh was concerned, and he had a great deal of knowledge insofar as the other sectors of deen are concerned, the other branches of knowledge was concerned. And again, he was a very great abid. When one would see Hazrat Mufti Saab stand in his salat, it was as though he would be lost in his salat and sometimes even lost in the time that he would allocate to maybe the qabliya salat before a particular far salat. And again, he was a very, very great zakir of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He was a mutasawif that was well accomplished. And as Hazrat Mufti Ismail Saab had alluded to earlier, he was a muslih of great, great concern for those whose islah he had made. He had done it in a way that a person would never ever feel out of place and a person would never feel that he had done something wrong. And on so many occasions, we would see people coming to him in the masjid, talking to Hazrat Mufti Saab in the way that he will give people hope. Now, with all the other responsibilities that Hazrat Mufti Saab so far, Darul Yahisan, training the, the students, giving of fatawa, and together with that, mediation and arbitration and also certifying different institutions as Sharia compliant. I won't go into all of that. But Hazrat Mufti Saab, every day, very, very diligently, Hazrat would be sitting and having dhikr, making dhikr in the back of our masjid in uh, a, a Jamaat Khana that was designated for those type of purposes. And every day, without fail, if a Mufti Saab was available, he was in good health, he would give his 100% in making dhikrullah. And then again, Thursday Majalis was something that Hazrat Mufti Saab was very passionate about. And Alhamdulillah, Thumma Alhamdulillah, in it, many, many had benefited in very many ways. And then we had from the year, probably it was 2011, that uh, the Masjid al-Salihin had begun right up to this year, Hazrat Mufti Saab had sat in Etikaf. And in that Etikaf, Hazrat had dedicated his time, not only to his own ibadat, but to the people that were around him. And the topics that he would discuss usually would be in a serious form. And... In that way, people would benefit comprehensively in every aspect. And I think one very glaring example may be that of the explanation that he had given of Qasida Burda, which then, alhamdulillah, culminated in a printed compilation, a, a book and a work of absolute excellence. Allah wa ta'ala had blessed him with what we will call 
mustahdar ilm knowledge that was ever present. He was a very alert person. And again, his knowledge was of such a level that Hazrat Mufti Sahib sometimes after the Fajr Salat would turn around and in his majlis, he would just recite the ayat that was recited by the Imam. And Hazrat Mufti Sahib would talk in depth on those ayat. And that was something, that was something, Maulana, that, that blew our minds in the sense that Hazrat had absolutely no time to have recollected, had time to investigate or research these verses, but Hazrat could just talk. And then after that bayan, with that very, very famous smile of his, he would say to me, I was supposed to have discussed something else, but our Imam Sahib swayed my thoughts in this direction. So the aspect of it, Hazrat, was that he took those ayat, he took those verses, and he related it to the personal and individual matters, or rather even the collective matters of the Ummah, the burning issues of the Ummah at this particular time. And that was something that Hazrat had, and I think it shows out insofar as his ifta is concerned. Another example that one can recollect with regards to this type of this knowledge that he had that was ever so present was once I had the opportunity of taking an alim to Hazrat Mufti Saab who had qualified in Al-Azhar in Egypt. And when this person sat with Mufti Saab, in his conversation he said to him, I didn't come here to actually ask you any questions because I do that usually via the internet. However, now that I am in your presence, I have a few questions with regards to some of the ahadith that are narrated by Imam Bukhari, rahimahumullah. in other words, those that appear in Bukhari Sharif. So as the Mufti Saab said to him with great humility, ask and let's see how far we go. As the person asked the question, Hazrat responded so instantaneously with such depth and with such great knowledge and with such expertise that this person was blown out of his mind. And when we left, he said to me, I haven't heard a person explain any hadith of Bukhari the way he had done with such great love, such great affectionate and again affection and again in the manner that he did without even having time to research these ahadith, undoubtedly this man is a great muhaddith, this man is a great scholar of hadith. Hazrat, when we look back at Hazrat Mufti Saab's life, and I think more one, one, one would be on a global level, one would be on a national level, one would be on a level of our community, Hazrat, had always had time for each and every individual of our community. He had shared in the grief of everyone. He had shared in the happiness of one and all. And Hazrat had participated in every uh, uh, function, every jansa of the community. And in every way, Hazrat had made every person feel absolutely at ease. I'll just start concluding, Molana with one of some of the last discussions that we had had and one that leaves an indelible mark on my memory would be this year when the Etikaf had come to an end. And as usual, I would thank Hazrat Mufti Saab for being part of our 
Etikaf and taking such a keen interest in conducting the programs and all of that. And then he looked at me and he said, rightfully, I should be thanking you for the opportunities that you have given me. And then he said to me a few words and then thereafter, it came in my mind that probably Hazrat Hotisab is making some arrangements for some etikaf, maybe at another place in the years to come. And I said to him, Hazrat, your words are like the words of somebody that is bidding farewell. Allah Akbar. He just, he just smiled, he grabbed me and he said, make dua. And as at least did we know that that would be the last etikaf. The time when the burial had taken place and as the sand was being placed over his body, I can safely say it wasn't just another human being, another ummati that we had buried, but together with him we had buried a vast amount of knowledge, many, many libraries of knowledge that had gone with Hazrat Mufti Saab. That way, the manner in which he would answer his fatawa, the certitude that he would have, and there is no doubt in the fact that he would make mashura with other ulama, other muftis, and he would come up to his conclusions. And in the way that he did it, it was very, very unique. Really, it was unique that he was able to relate the kitabs, the Quran, the hadith, the, the words of the fuqaha to what was taking place in the marketplace, the contemporary issues. And in that way, Hazrat had responded to the masail that he had. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant him the highest of Jannatul Firdaus. May Allah ta'ala grant his family, Sabri Jamil, Mufti Ismail, sitting there as, uh, on the line. He had lost both his nana and his nani. And all, and his uh, father, Rahimahumullah, all in a very short span of time, Allah grant the entire family, Sabri Jameel and Allah Tabar, make it very, very easy for all of them. Jazakumullah khair, Mawlana, for the opportunity. Amen, amen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Ismail is so much to digest there. But I want to say that really Allah Ta'ala grant your mother the highest amount of reward for her patience, having lost so many people yet to patiently endure. These are truly the qualities of the very special servants of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Indeed, Marana, you know, I just want to narrate here one, you know, basharat and dream that my respected warida had of my father, Rahmatullah Ali. They had spent, you know, so so much of time together, and my walida had made a lot of khidmat of the students over the years, and had, and had given much support uh, to my to my father rahmatullahi. But this dream, uh, my walida had a dream a few days ago that she had seen my father rahmatullahi in the Rosa Mubarak of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And he had been lying down and he had such great noor emanating from his face that he then, upon knowing that my mother was there, had turned his face and shone that noor into her heart. And she had then Allah mentioned Allah. to me 
that this noor had calmed her heart to a large extent. So just imagine that connection that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has granted between them, that inshallah we make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala joins them and joins all of us with the beloved of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the beloved Ameen. of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Jannah inshallah. We've lost one Previously, Mu'ataha Karana, great alim in the Shafi fiqh, and now we've lost a great alim in the Hanafi fiqh. We ask Allah Ta'ala to give us a ni'mal battle of both, insha'Allah. Ameen, Ameen, Ameen. <coughs> Mufti Sab, our next guest is on the line, Mufti Muhammad Hashim Sab. A brief intro into Moran Mufti Sab. The Mufti Muhammad Hashim Sab, Damad Barakatum, is a very senior alim of the country. He is extremely well known he is a student of my father from from the year 1990 he had studied iftar under my father and many many other kitabs under him Mufti Sahib is also the rector of Madrasa Akhtarul Uloom and he is also a trustee of the Darul Iftar Mahmoudiya and Mufti Sahib is also a trustee of a number of other dini and Islamic organizations Mufti Sahib Damal Barakatum had made khidmat for, of my father from the day he moved to Sherwood. Allahu Akbar. My father, Rahmatullah, gave him the key and said, Morana, take the key and do whatever you have to do. And sure. I remember that when we were building the Darul Iftar, Mufti Muhammad Hashim Sahib was always available for every form of khidmat, whether it comes to contacts, whether it comes to every form of khidmat, Mufti Muhammad Hashim Sahib was always available and such was his love Walid Sahib Rahmatullahi that he in fact moved very close as neighbors to my father Rahmatullahi Mufti Sahib Assalamu Alaikum Wa Rahmatullah <coughs> Wa Alaikum Assalam Wa Rahmatullahi Wa Barakatuh Mufti Sahib Mufti Sahib Abdullah Mufti Sahib Abdullah and Mufti Ismail Sahib Allah Ta'ala's Fazal Mufti Sahib Mufti Sahib, you knew Hazrat Mufti Ibrahim Sahib almost three decades, subhanAllah. Some of your, your interactions and the qualities of Mufti Ibrahim. Ahmaduhu nusalli ala rasulih al-kareem amma ba'd. Faqad qala Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fi al-Qur'an al-Majid wal-Furqan al-Hamid. Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu attaqullah wa kunu ma'as sadiqeen. Faqala al-Nabi wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Respected listeners of Radio Islam and Channel Islam, first and foremost, we thank Radio Islam and Channel Islam, especially Mawana Ubaidullah Sahib and Mufti Ismail Sahib, for arranging this program so that we may hear a few glimpses of this very great giant and great wali of Allah. The reason for this being that the idea is then to practice, to take lessons from it, to practice upon it, and to pass it on to others. Time is very limited. We have many others also who will be speaking. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspire us to listen attentively so that with the intention of taking lessons from these special qualities that we, we will be speaking about to benefit, to, to practice and pass on to others. Amen. 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 
I recited the verse where Allah Ta'ala says that those who have Iman, Allah Ta'ala instructs us that to have the true taqwa and consciousness of Allah Ta'ala. And how is that attained? Kunu ma'asadiqeen. Ikhalituhum litakunu mislaw. Stay in the company of the true walis and the true friend of Allah. Alama Alusi, Rahmatullah Ali, Tafsir Ma'ani says that stay in the company, frequent them, stay in the company, mix with them, stay with them, so that you become like that. That's the purpose. Today, many that stay with the pious and the ulama and el- elders, the intentions are other. They have other. The hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu that I recited in the beginning. Who we have love for, this is who we will be resurrected with on the day of Qiyamah. So these great ulama and these great elders that we have true love, sincere love for, insha'Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may resurrect us with them on the day of Qiyamah. Amen. Nabi Muhammad Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, sahaba radiallahu anhum, the a'imma, the tabi'een, and like that right to our ulama of today, and like that to the qiyamat. Hatim Mufti sahab rahmatullahi alayhi was an embodiment, a conglomeration of such great qualities. I'll just mention, as Mawana Ahmad Shohan sahab summed it up very beautifully, just a few points approximately 31 to 32 years with Hazrat Mufti Sahib Rahmatullah Just a few avowed glaring qualities Hazrat Mufti Sahib Rahmatullah I'll just mention and touch on. As I say in English, tip of the iceberg is not even the tip of this great iceberg. The first, what I want to mention was Hazrat Mufti Sahib Rahmatullah was a very humble person. Never ever made his knowledge and his greatness, you know, he never exposed it. He never lived his life in a way that thinking he, he never even thought of himself to be such a great person. This is what we must learn, that to annihilate ourselves. That's how humble Hazrat Mufti Sahib was. Started with humble beginnings, and Hazrat Mufti Sahib started in Springer Beach, Madrasa Talimuddin from there to the other Madrasa in Amiya Kampadown and from there to Sherwood. Hazrat Mufti Sahib's beginnings were very humble. Where he was totally fida for Allah. Fida for the khidmat of deen. Fida meaning he, he had sacrificed himself. That I am for the sake of Allah. I am the sake for the sake of Allah's deen. And then when Allah opened the doors, towards the end of his life, Allah Ta'ala opened the doors of recognition of Whatever else Allah gave him, people only saw him towards the latter part of his life. But look at what humble beginnings Hazrat Mufti Sahib and his family had to endure to come to where Hazrat Mufti Sahib left us, left the dunya and went. Utmost respect and akhlaq, respect, adab, especially for his asatiza. And that is why they also had so much of ayatimad and so much of trust on him. As Ahmad Chauhan Sahib just mentioned now, that they used to send the students to him, even up till now, they used to be sending students to Hazrat Mufti Sahib to learn deen. So the utmost respect, utmost love he showed for his elders and for his asatiza, and how much of trust they had upon him. 
that was one very important, very glaring quality Hazrat Mufti Sallallahu had. The second was the aspect of simplicity. Utmost simplicity. So many things come into my mind, a flood of aspects in, in, in terms of the, his simplicity, whether it be in his personal life, whether it be in his dressing, whether it be in so many aspects of his life. We are all proof to that, that those who are around him, how simple-minded Hazrat Mufti Sallallahu was. He was able to talk and get along with all Muslim, non-Muslim, even the small children. Just a few days ago, when Alim brought his child to Darul Ifta to read Salah with us, the child looked at me, the father asked the child to tell me, he said, actually, he said, like he was so fond of Hazrat Mufti Sallallahu The child was around the age of 10. He treated Mufti Sallallahu like his father. So he was looking forward to see Mufti Sallallahu but Mufti was no more amongst us. Allah like Allah. he said, like my father is gone. Was it Mufti Sallallahu used to help hundreds and thousands of people without even, with no personal interest. Today, unfortunately, what happens is our concern is ourselves. Yeah, Mufti Ali was the other person. Like how the Sahaba, replica and an example of Sahaba, that they gave preference to others over themselves, even though they had whatever the situation be in their own lives. As a Muslim, to give preference to other people, arrange everything and anything, comfort, finance, and so many other things for other people. The concern was not himself. His concern was not the dunya and the, the pleasures and the comforts the wealth of the world, entire day, with the simplicity, with the selflessness, entire day fully dedicated to deen. Morning, Bukhari lessons in Marissa, Nu'maniya in Chatswat, come back in Darul Ifta, again in the afternoon Darul Ifta, towards the latter part of the afternoon, again Bukhari lessons at Madrasa Hamidiyah in Overport. MashaAllah, Hazrat Mufti Sahib taught so many students Bukhari Sharif. And when he also had lessons for the public, he conducted Bukhari lessons on Kitabul Buyo, the aspect of Islamic finance, Bukhari Sharif, at Masjidun Noor in Malinson, and Malinson Road Masjid in, in Asheville, in Durban, South Africa. When he used to explain the hadith in Bukhari Sharif pertaining to Buyo, and everything he presented was by heart. His memory was of that level where once he saw something, it, that photographic memory, that's just a strong memory, even with names of people, even with so many things of that kind. And the, the lessons were presented so professionally, so well articulated. And as without any notes in front, just... Bukhari Sharif, Kidawul Buyu, and so many other parts, as Ahmad Chohan Sahib even mentioned the other incident of that guest that came to see him, he knew it off so well, like by heart, like he had by hearted it. So the simplicity, the selflessness, not being concerned about himself, rather the other people, was a great, very great avowed, great quality, Hazrat Mufti Sahib And Alhamdulillah, he, Hazrat Mufti Sahib has found, was the founder of the organization that we have, One Humanity, Alhamdulillah, has 
benefited thousands of people in different parts of the world. So many people have been provided with so many different forms of help. Alhamdulillah, with the assistance of his family and other people, Alhamdulillah, Hazrat Mufti Sahib helped so many people. Again, that selflessness, the simplicity, the being so humble with the best of akhlaq. And that is why Nabi Muhammad Mustafa says that what will be the most weightiest act on our scale on the day of Qiyamah? Al-Khuluqul Hasan, Al-Akhlaqul Hasana. The best, the good character. That will be the most weightiest act on the scale on the day of Qiyamah. Maulana we're going to ask. Okay, sure. We're going to ask Maulana to just round up. The to, conclude, the to conclude is the aspect of the level-headedness. Hazrat Mufti Sabrahtalali was very much level-headed in terms of the aspects of his fatawa. Alhamdulillah, as Hazrat Ahmad Shohan Sahib mentioned, that Hazrat Mufti Sabrahtalali used to look at it from all sides, and his fatawa was based on this these type of, of issues of contemporary issues, but in a very level-headed manner and system. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us tawfiq and hidayat that we learn many, many lessons from these great giants, those who have left us and those who remain with us. There are so many that are still with us. People will vary from level to level, but we should benefit the maximum we can. It should not be that after they are gone, then only we appreciate them, then only we want to then speak about their praises, etc. Al-Qadr ba'd al-Zawal. When something is gone, that is the time when we appreciate it. Hazrat Mawana Ahmad Shohan Sahib, I conclude in his statement one of the days he made, he's one of our elders and he's those that we take advice from. He mentioned that recently, Mufti Taha Sahib, that past day was our Imam Shafi'i of our time. And Hazrat Mufti Ibrahim Desai Sahib, Rahmatullahi Pastri, was our, our, like our Abu Hanifa of our time. He was like the Abu oh. Hanifa of our time. So, oh. they are, these great people are just leaving. Let us appreciate, let us benefit from those that we have. And the whole idea is for us then to learn from them and then to benefit ourselves and pass on, pass on these great lessons to remind of, uh, remain of the Ummah. May Allah give all of us to in the Amen. Jazakallah so much, Morana. I want to play one clip, and really this clip for us to understand. It was one of the last messages that Hazrat Mufti Ibrahim Saab, Rahmatullahi Alayhi, sent to Mufti Ismail, who's with me this evening. And it also just jogs the memory to the voice, to the individual. Let's take a listen to this clip, and thereafter we speak back to Morana Ismail. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Dear beloved Ismail, I hope I'll make dua you are well. Jazakallah for the most beautiful message. You are always in my duas, day in, day out, from the day I know you and from the day Allah blessed you to me. There's not a single day that I've not been making dua for you. You will be happy and you'll prosper in life. Allah grant all the khair and barakat of the dunya and the akhirat. Also make dua for me too. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi that's a loving father. You know, you can be the Mufti, you can be the Sheikh Al-Hadith, but when you show that compassion to your child, Mufti Ismail, I suppose, as a son, it's very different to the other students and the relationship you would have with Walid Sahib. 
Gee, definitely, Bolana, you know, we spent so much of time together, over 30 years under the same roof. And I can still recall that on many, many occasions, he showed us so much of love and muhabbat. You know, the Eid day was extremely painful and sad for us. I remember that uh, the, on the last Eid, I had some other, you know, commitment, dini commitment, where I had to give a bayan somewhere else. And my father remembered and gave me a call and said, whenever you are completed, I will wait for you and then we will have breakfast. Allahu Akbar. And I, I still recall that on every Eid, we would take gifts and we would kiss his forehead and he would be so happy that he would smile, he would hug us and he would also kiss us. And that was his shafqat and love that he showed us. And just, just to round off on, on that shafqat and love, one incident comes to mind that on one occasion we had you know, a lot of boulders and rocks in our garden. And Walid Sahib mentioned to me that, Smile, you paint these rocks. So Alhamdulillah, I painted the rocks. Thereafter, Walid Sahib came and said to me, right, come, let's go and carry the rocks and place them. So imagine such a great Buzrug and Wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he himself carried heavy, heavy rocks with me up to 50 meters, up to 100 meters, and we placed approximately 50 rocks in, in our garden. This was the great Allah. humility and tawadu, as Marana Mufti Muhammad Hashim Sahib mentioned, that he never thought anything about himself. We have our next guest on the line and really time is running out. If we had the whole day, we probably would not be able to advocate Mufti Imran Vauda Saab. Mufti Saab is an executive member of the Jamiatul Ulama Kwazulu Natal, one of the earliest students of Mufti Ibrahim Saab. Mufti Saab, assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh to you and all the listeners as well. Jazakallah, we are live on air this evening, Mufti Sahib, Radio Islam, as well as Channel Islam. Your, your, your interactions with Mufti Ibrahim Sahib? Uh, uh, I had the good fortune of studying on the Hazrat Mufisab approximately from 91 to 94. And during that era, the outstanding feature that I found in Hazrat Mufisab was that we could always approach him. Uh, he never, we never felt scared. We, he never made us feel uncomfortable in any way. In fact, he would take joy in us coming forward and presenting any concerns we have, any doubts, any questions on our mind, etc. And that spurred in us the courage to, to, you know, to express ourselves and also to inquire and to research and to consider different angles. And Hazrat Mushraf was of such a caliber that Although we were students, he would listen to us carefully, and if we made a point which was appealing and had some merit in it, he would wholeheartedly take it on and give praise us, and in that way he encouraged us to a great degree. And the next phase which I had the good fortune of is that after completing Madrasa, our pathways uh, separated, but then by the Father of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I had the good fortune of teaching in the Madrasa in Camperdown, from around 2000 to, 2000 to 2010, so approximately 10 years. 
and Hazrat Mufti Sahib had arrived there just a few months before me, and we both uh, departed from Kampadan around the same time. So we spent that period of approximately 10 years together. And although Hazrat was our star, but his humility was of such a level that he always treated us as a friend and treated me as a friend and as a colleague. And he would never say, uh, somebody looking on would never get the impression that you know, he's the Ustad that I'm student. And uh, we had the good fortune that we, uh, we lived very close by, about 100 meters away, our homes were. Hazrat Sahib was approximately about five years older than me, older to me. And our children were roughly the same age. So we, the two families got along very closely. His daughter was a friend of my daughter. His sons were friends of my sons. And we used to be in each other's homes every now and then. In fact, Hazrat Mufti Sahib's second son, Mulay Imran Sahib, when he was a youngster, I think he used to spend more time in our home than his own home. Subhanallah. Very close relationship. Uh, in that way, uh, whenever I had any need, any concern, any issue, I would obviously make sure of Hazrat Mufti Sahib being our senior, etc. But what is most striking is that he considered me as an equal. And he so very often on India, sometimes personal matters, sometimes many issues. That is uh, aside from issues or related to the madrasa itself, related to iftar, etc. Even on personal matters, he would call me. He would say, "Give me advice on this matter, that matter." I would feel shy, but at the same time, looking at his sincerity, whatever came into our heart, we used to express. So in this way, Hazrat Mushtaq used to be right down to our level. That is a unique feature which we found in our respected Ustad, that he always treated us as if, as if we were his equal, to the extent that uh, it may sound strange, but on certain occasions, because I had such a close relationship with him, it was so open, and that that, that barrier, of what we call the Kaluf, it is pretense, that is formality, and etc., all that was out of the way. And because of that, we had such a close relationship that sometimes... I would be a little bold and I would approach Mufti Sahib and say, you know, Hazrat, you don't do things this way. On my own, from my own side, I sort so to say, scold him and tell him, Hazrat, don't do that. Uh-huh. Just say, don't do it that way. And he would have a very open heart. He would smilingly listen to my advices and sometimes he would accept my uh, advices. And somebody looking on would, <laughs> would laugh and say, you know, who's the student? Who's the student? So on. But because Hazrat, uh, made it so comfortable. His level of his tawaz was such that he made it so comfortable that he felt free to interact with Hazrat in this way. Uh, and as far as uh, nurturing me and helping me and uh, progressing as far as teaching, was always there for us. As far as the iftar is concerned, he, he set up a desk within the Darul Iftar right next to his desk and he would very often consult with us on many matters. In fact, while he used to be making his mutala, that is, doing his research, whether it was star, whether it was tea for teaching, he would be busy in his kitab, and I would be sitting next to him on my desk, and busy, I'm busy in my kitab. Every now and then, he would come across a, uh, an interesting point, and he would just look up, and he said, see, oh, what a wonderful point, and then he'll explain the point that he just came across in the kitab. Spontaneously, he would just feel free to share whatever he had on his mind at that time. But the father of Allah Ta'ala, we enjoyed such a close relationship that to, it was like more than a star, he was like a brother and a friend. As well. Allah.
Mufti Sab, we say Jazakallah for your time this evening. We really appreciate it. Uh, a message coming in, it's saying, uh, uh, will this thing be recorded? Inshallah, there will be a recording made available. Both Radio Islam as well as Channel Islam do record it. And a podcast will be made available, Inshallah, tomorrow. If not tomorrow, then by Monday, Inshallah. It was uh, Advocate Mufti Ibrahim, Imran Vauda, who was a student, who was taught with Mufti Saab, as well as a neighbor that was there together. Mufti Ismail, there was many, many different uh, qualities coming in with regarding your, your Walid Sahib Rahmatullahi Alayhi. Our next guest is Maran Ahmed Muhammad Iwail. He's coming on some of your thoughts, Mufti Ismail. Gee, the, there, were, there, was, there were many, many qualities. And I would just like to enumerate on three qualities very quickly. The first is the great zuhud and taqwa that my father had. And one incident comes to mind that Walid Sahib Rahmatullahi whenever we used to go shopping, to like a mall or something of that sort, then he would never ever enter the mall. He would always say to us that I have my fatwas, I have my kitabs, that you go in the mall, buy me a coffee, buy me a chocolate, and and my pleasure will be reading my kitabs and making tasheeh and correcting and reviewing the students' istiftahs and their answers. And on one occasion that he was forced to enter the mall to review the sandal for Umrah, and I remember very vividly that he moved with such vigor and he fleed from the mall with such vigor that one thought that he was actually escaping from, from some place. Thereafter, I asked Walid Sahib Rahmatullah Ali that why you, did you move with such vigor? And he mentioned that these are the dens of shaitan, that I fear that Allah must not make it such that I get entrapped in any of the dens of shaitan. That is why we move very quickly. So this was his great zuhud and taqwa. The second important quality that comes to mind was he had the great jazbah for deen. Any person that would ask him any question, anyone who wanted to have a meeting with him, he would never ever decline that person. I still remember that one person was calling Walid Sahib Rahmatullah Ali at 12 o'clock at night. 12 o'clock at night. I imagine most people are asleep at that time. He woke gee, up. Gee. He woke up and he answered that person's question and told him, don't worry, I will help you out. Subhanallah. Mm. Mufti Saab, we're going to just take a quick ad break, inshallah. We're going to take the news. Then after the news, inshallah, we should call Mufti Saab back. Inshallah. Gee, we are speaking on Hazrat Mufti Ibrahim Saab. Desai rahmatullahi alay. And I have on the line with me both Mufti Saab and Mufti Ismail, as well as the Amir of the Jamiatul Ulama, Kwazulunatil Muran Ahmed Muhammadi, who's come many a times on the Ulama Profile Program. Muli Ahmed, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh walana. Morana, a great loss for Jamiatul Ulama KZN in terms of Mufti Ibrahim for the long service in the different shu'bas and departments he served at. Indeed, it is an irreplaceable loss to the Jamiatul Ulama KwaZulu-Natal. Mufti Saab, some of the services that Mufti Ibrahim had rendered or was rendering to the Jamiatul Ulama? Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Regarding our Honorable Ustaz Mufti Ibrahim Desai, Rahmatullahi Alayhi, it's just one week since he passed away. Today is Thursday night, and it was Thursday night that he passed away last week. Mulana and all the listeners, from all the different khidmat that he had undertaken in his life, 
from the time he had arrived back in South Africa, the longest he had served in all these capacities was at the Jamaat Ulama Kwazulu Natal. I was just trying to analyze his life. He spent about 12 years at Madrasa Ta'alimuddin teaching fiqh and hadith. And then he spent another 10 years in a camper down at Madrasa in Amiya. He also spent the last 10 years of his life at the Darul Ifta alongside other madaris that he was also teaching. So there were three different phases of his life, if you look, the periods of where he was teaching. But across all these, from the time he arrived till the time of his demise, he was the head mufti of the Jamaat al-Ulama Kwazulu Natal. So he made the khidmat of the Jamaat al-Ulama KZN for approximately 31 to 32 years. Allahu Akbar, sure. It's a very, very long time to be serving at such a place. What were some of the services Mufti Saab was rendering? Mufti Saab, when he was appointed by the late Mulana Umarji and Mulana Yunus Patil Rahmatullah as the head of the fatwa department within the Jamiat. So he used to divide his time. Uh, he used to be half a day in Madrasa Ta'alimuddin in the initial stages. And the other half a day he used to spend at the Jamiat offices in West Street, Durban. Subhanallah. Mufti Sahib, Mawlana Sahib, we have a lot of guests. Uh, I want to ask you just a, a, a message or two from your side regarding the life of Mufti Ibrahim. Gigi, I wouldn't want to overlap all the inputs that have been made by the previous ulama and his students. So maybe something a bit different, you know, regarding Mufti Sahib. Al- Alhamdulillah, we had such a relationship. I got to know him when he was about 27 years of age only. And that's when he started teaching us. So it was a very young Mufti Saab that was teaching us. And uh, the relationship spanned over a period of about 31 years with him. And initially he was our Ustad. Then he became our friend as well, a mentor, a senior, an advisor, and Mufti of the Jamiat, and a confidant as well. As uh, Mufti Imran Saab mentioned pre- uh, prior to me, the unique quality of uh, Mufti Ibrahim Desai was his approach. You, he was always approachable to his student. And uh, there was never a top-down approach by him. He treated everyone with respect. And especially when one came to visit him or when one phoned him, the, the remarkable way he honored a person, showed the person that love and kindness. And very often he used to go for Hajj and Umrah. And every time that I used to phone him prior to his departure, requesting his du'as, and even after his return, I used to make it a habit of phoning him to check on him. He will always say that I, he says, I made your, I, I took your name and made du'a for you. Would Ihtimam oh, did that. Many a times he told me, he says, at the Kaaba Sharif, I made du'a for you, but I took your name and made du'a. Imagine how special a student feels when the Ustad says that. I had the good opportunity of making Hajj with him in 2002. And some unique, uh, you know, a unique incident took place in that particular Hajj, just as we left Makkah, Mukarramah. It was a very unique incident that took place. So I, I know time is uh, very limited, so I won't go into much detail regarding that. But Alhamdulillah, we saw many aspects of his life. And uh, we have really lost a, a library that was buried last week, a library. Sand was put over a library and such knowledge of the deen of Islam that uh, we will never ever be able to fill that vacuum ever. Mawlana, Allah Ta'ala make it easy and Allah Ta'ala take the organization, the Jamiatul Ulama Kuzulunatil from strength to strength and give you all replacement that are most suitable that can fill the need of the time, inshaAllah. 
Mufti Ismail, obviously there must be many thoughts running through your mind and we're discussing so much of Mufti Ibrahim and you've put such a nice lineup together. Uh, some thoughts and something that you've been thinking over while the guest was speaking. Yeah, there's just many, many thoughts that are flowing through my mind. Obviously, I've been spent over 30 years but two important points come to mind. The first is that had a very deep passion and desire for the local indigenous population. And he would always make dua that one day Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bless our country with, Shaykhul Hadith, with a Shaykhul Hadith who is from the local population. And with that jazbah and zeal that he had trained one or two local ulama from the indigenous population to become muftis, and he supported them in every direction possible. In, and one incident, comes, one incident comes to mind that once Walid Sahib Rahmatullah was seated on my bed in my house, and he said that I have a very great desire to give dawat of Islam to our ex-president, President Zuma, and he called one of his students, Barana Bilal Islam, who is very well known, for giving dawah a local indigenous alim, and he mentioned and he expressed his desire to give dawah of Islam to President Zuma, and this is very apt in the current context of all of the riots and looting and violence, etc. And the second so, important point that comes to mind is that Walid Sahib Rahmatullah used to always quote this incident of Hazrat Mufti Kifayatullah Sahib Rahmatullah was the late Grand Mufti of India, and Hazrat had passed away while issuing fatwa. And Walid Sahib Rahmatullah is to always quote this incident and say that may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also grant me the tawfiq that I pass away also while giving fatwa and the khidmat of thee. And he, he would also quote one incident, the incident of Imam Muhammad Rahmatullah. Imam Muhammad Rahmatullah was a famous imam of the Hanafi Bazab, one of the senior students of Hazrat Imam Abu Hanifa Rahmatullah. And he would always quote this incident that once when Imam Muhammad Rahmatullah passed away, people inquired from his grandson that what did your grandfather used to do? So the grandson responded and said that I used to only see my grandfather that he was surrounded by kitabs. He was surrounded by a pile of kitabs and in that condition and in that halat he had passed away. So Walita Rahmatullah used to quote this incident and say that our life is kitabs and inshallah we will pass away in the kitabs also. Subhanallah. Respected listeners, we have on the line now with us the Secretary General of the Jamiatul Ulama, Marana Ibrahim Bamsab. Marana, Assalamu Alaikum wa Rahmatullah. Wa Alaikum Assalamu wa Rahmatullah wa Barakatuh and Assalamu Alaikum to all the listeners. Marana, we have both Radio Islam as well as Channel Islam. I know from my communication with you that yourself and Mufti Ibrahim had a very, very close dialogue. Some of your thoughts regarding Mufti Ibrahim, sir? Yes, Mawlana, um, I can just share some of the, the, the memories that I have of Hazrat Mufti Ibrahim Saab. I must, I must also from the very outset say that I don't have some of the very close encounters. Uh, I just heard Hazrat uh, um, Mufti Saab's son that was now on the, on the air. Chi, Chi, Mufti Saab's son, my... Uh, memories and his recalling of his father would be in a very different category from my experience, which would be at a particular distance. 
You know, it, it is so sad. One of the things that, that I picked up, even at the passing away of Moranata Karan, was that uh, the, the, the depth of emotion and how people had related the incidents with him and come to relate with regard to some of his legacies. And one of the things that I thought about and said, why is it that we only speak of the beautiful qualities of people and we recall some of the great, um, you know, qualities only after they have passed on? Why is it? Why don't, why don't we benefit from them while they are alive? Why do we take it for granted? Whether it be Mufti Ibrahim Desai, Rahmatullahi, or whether it be Mu'ataha Karan, whether it be Mu'ana Ibrahim Bamji, Mu'ana Alauddin, all of these ulama who have passed on, we see such great uh, aspects about their life. Uh, the one, the ulama, the alim of Mu'ana from Harding, who passed away, I just read one small incident about him that in one particular plane journey from here to Guangzhou, he read 21 Jews of the Holy Quran in one Allah. Now, you think that, uh, why is it that when they're alive, we don't talk about these qualities? Only when they have passed on, we talk about it. I think it's something that we, we need to correct in our uh, community. When I read that Mufti Ibrahim Saab's life, there were various stages in his life. He was in Waterfall. He was in Dabel. And I think that is where uh, the relationship between him and Mufti Ahmad Khan Puri uh, was uh, developed. And I recall very, very clearly that Mufti Ahmad Khan Puri came for the opening of his Darul Iftah in Sherwood and he spoke in the opening and some of uh, his, his uh, bayan and some of the points of the bayan are still very clear and vivid, which was very widely circulated. Then, of course, he was in, in the Talimuddin, in Ispingo, and then in Camperdown. But I think in, in many ways, uh, it was the latter portion of his life that when he was in Darul, Darul Iftah in Sherwood, where Mufti, Mufti Ibrahim Saab, in a way, uh, blossomed and maybe matured, if I could use, for lack of a better word, where we find that uh, many of his great qualities uh, came to the fore. And I would just like to make mention with regard to two that, you know, uh, I found very, very amazing. One was because, you know, in his, when he came to the Darul Iftah in Sherwood, then, of course, there was a situation of him coming into contact with people. And when you come into contact with people and you start resolving the issues of people, and um, one of uh, the posts that I read after his passing away, uh, one of the, the lawyers said that uh, he used to be consulted on a very regular basis with regard to mediation and arbitration. And in a very, very complex matter, he gave a ruling with regard to an arbitration which was very widely respected by both the parties, even if they were at odds with one another. So when he came to the level of resolving the issues of people, it seems that he's as if Mufti Ibrahim Desai's, you know, talents came to the fore and he blossomed. And this is not uh, uncommon when we look at what the ulama of the past have said. Imam Sufyan Ithori Rahmatullahi has made mention of a statement in which he said, that the role of a mufti is not only to say this is halal and this is haram. He says that the role of a mufti is also to give a solution and to tell people the alternative with regard to haram. 
He don't say that it is haram, but he also tells people that this is the way for you to come out of that haram in a halal way and give an alternative. And this is where Hazrat Mufti Ibrahim Desaisab, Rahmatullah Alayhi, was someone who came into the latter stages of his life where this particular talent came to the fore. He was among those, and we find this in the incident of the Yusuf والسلام, when he related the interpretation of the dream to the king. He didn't only give the interpretation that there will be seven years of plenty and there will be seven years of poverty. And after telling them the interpretation of the dream, he said, the solution with regard to your dream is this. This is what you are supposed to do. And it's ala khaza'inil arz. He put himself forward with regard to not only the interpretation, but with regard to the solution. And today, if there is a lacking, it is this lacking that we have that people can say that this is wrong, this is, this is not right, this is haram, but they don't have the ability which a true mufti and a true person of greatness would be able to resolve people's difficulties in terms of providing alternatives and providing solutions. And when we see the posts that are emanating out of the Mufti Ibrahim Bishayasab death, the business community came to rely upon as a Mufti Ibrahim Desai for alternatives. That yes, the haram has taken control of our lives because, not because of it being superior, not because of it being a better alternative, but because it has become so embedded that people can't look at other alternatives. One of the great qualities of Azim Mufti Ibrahim Desai Sab in his Sharia compliant, um, you know, the, the emphasis that he had made with regard to Sharia compliant business, this was one of the great things that I came to realize that in his blossoming and his maturing, he came to this particular situation of finding solutions to the challenges that are faced by the, uh, by the common people. And in a way, this came about because of his coming into Sherwood and coming into Taluk with people I read. And I heard one of the bayans of one, one great halim who said that uh, because of the uh, virtue which is attached to the 40 ahadith, many, many ulama have written arba'in. That whoever uh, memorizes first 40 ahadith, there are so many great rewards and virtues attached to the 40 ahadith. But out of all of that, when you say arba'in only, then immediately the mind goes to Imam Nawawi Rahmatullah Ali. And one of the reasons I heard from one of the ulama was that he was a man of the people. He was a man who stayed with the people, who tried to resolve the difficulties of people, the challenges of people. And that is the reason why Allah Ta'ala gave his arba'in such great maghbuliyat and such great acceptance. And that was one of the aspects with regard to Hazrat Mufti Ibrahim Desaisab in the latter portion of his life. So another aspect with regard to something that I found very amazing is the balance in his view. Today we find many a times we have people who have, you know, uh, extremes. Either you are completely liberal and you come fall short of the limit, or sometimes you go beyond the limit. And that is also not desirable. Halakal mutanatihun, Nabi Karim Sallallahu says those who nitpick, they are going to be destroyed. Nabi Karim Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has made mention, Iyakum wal stay away from, you know, ghulu and extremism in deen. Because the people of the past had been destroyed because of extremism in deen. And may we be sacrificed with regard to Hazrat Mufti Ibrahim Desai Sahib. You know, when you looked at his writings and his fatawa, it was characterized by a tidal. 
it was characterized by moderation. And anyone who read it was taken aback firstly by his dalail, by his evidence. So you find that even when he gave the fatwa with regard to the permissibility of vaccination, he didn't only say that this is my view, but he backed up his view with the fatwa of great, great ulama like Hazrat Muhammad Rahmatullah He backed it up and he showed the people that, see, these are our ulama. We say that we must follow the akabirin. This is what our akabirin have made mention with regard to this particular matter. And then I was, you know, going through the one, one of his fatwa with regard to the aspect of contagion. Now he quoted the hadith in which the first part of the hadith speaks about that there is no contagion. Then immediately after that, in the very same hadith, Stay away from a leper the way you stay away from a lion. Right? And then Muftisab goes on to give the balance. And he says that there is no contagion in itself. A disease cannot be contagious in itself without a decree from Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It cannot be contagious in itself, but as a means, decreed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It does not negate the fact, in fact, it affirms that as an asbab and as a sabab, that there can be an infection that can play, take place from one person to another. And then he quotes the, the statement of that Muhammad, we said that there is no absolute, that particular hadith of la adwa, that there is no contagion, is not absolute. And when you read that fatwa, at the end of reading that fatwa, you come away with it understanding both the views that are normally expressed by different experts and ulama without giving the, the balance between the two views. And that moderation and balance in his views was something that came to characterize Hazrat Mufti Ibrahim Desai Sahib's fatawa and people came to look upon it with great amount of respect because of the research and because of the balance in which he presented his views. So, and in the presentation of his views, there was no abuse. There was no belittling of people. And that has always been the characteristic of the great ulama of the past. That they, despite the views that they held, they always had respect for other people's views. Those people who resort to vulgarity or resort to belittling of other people who oppose their view, in reality, there's a paucity of their views. That they cannot convince people by their view, and then they resort to vulgarity and resort to belittling other people. And it comes to mind, Hazrat Imam Ahmad ibn Muhammad, who used to, used to have the view that bleeding, you know, when a person bleeds, then, uh, you know, it, it breaks his wuzu. And someone asked him, what do you say? Will you read namaz behind someone who has the view that bleeding does not break salat? He said, are you telling me that I must not read namaz behind Imam Malik who held that view? So you see that this is the way that was I found in Hazrat Mufti Ibrahim Desai Sahib towards the end in terms of his great legacy. One was his blossoming and maturing and becoming amongst those who found solutions for the challenges that were found by people in their business dealings, in their transaction, in modern day commerce and economics. 
and he provided alternatives, as has been proven in his in his fatawa and in his arbitration and his mediation. And the other thing was his balance in his views and not belittling people. On a personal level, you know, the last time that I was in Durban was at the time of an Uksa meeting. And after we had completed the Uksa meeting, you know, before going to the to the airport, there was some time available. And I, I sent him a message and said, uh, we have completed uh, the meeting. Uh, is there any way that I could come and meet you? Subhanallah, such was his, you know, uh, muhabbat. that he said, I'm at a doctor, but I'm coming back at home at this particular time. Please do not go without meeting me. And, you know, and I took out the time and we had a, a wonderful discussion. We had tea. And of course, with the tea in everyone's situation today, Al Bardu Al Jubbat, you know, the, the <laughs> winter comes with all its uh, trimmings. So now you've got all uh, the, the, you know, the, the long johns and the long thing that comes with the winter cold, together with that particular, you know, tea, there was a samosas and all of that thing. I remember with great fondness that when Moana Yunus Dudwala, uh, one of my great friends, uh, who is also doing great amount of work in the United Kingdom in terms of being. Uh, someone who is in the hospital and he is uh, the religious advisor in one of the biggest hospitals in, in London. He came and um, we went to meet Mufti Ibrahim Desa and we had such an engaging conversation both with Mufti Sab and the students that Morana Yunus Durwala still remembers and after he passed away he phoned me specifically. He said one of my best memories of my trip to Durban at that time and to South Africa was my engagement with the ulama. He had an engagement with uh, Mufti Zubair Debayat, and we had a talk, and the engagement I had with Mufti Ibrahim Desai. He said, I will never forget it. Wow. After he heard of Mufti Ibrahim Desai passing, he, he phoned to make mention with regard to that mulakat where we had that engagement. And, you know, these are some of my memories and the legacies of Mufti Ibrahim Desai, and I hope, inshallah, that that legacy that Mufti Sab had, um, you know, started off in terms of the two things that I have made mention, will continue to the means of his Darul Iftar Inshallah. and to the means of his students. It is a very, very great legacy, especially in the times that we are uh, passing through at the moment. We say Jazakallah khairan to Morana Ibrahim Bam, and we go immediately to our next guest, Morana Venka. Morana, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh, and assalamu alaikum to the esteemed listeners of Radio Islam. Hey, Marana, we have Channel Islam as well this evening. Marana, your thoughts regarding Mufti Ibrahim? Uh, I'll just share with you, you know, my relationship with Mufti Ibrahim Desai, that goes back approximately 22 years. And there is a quotation of Imam Shafi'i that comes to mind, that وَقَدْ مَاتَ قَوْمٌ وَمَا مَاتَتْ مَكَارِمُهُمْ وَعَاشَ قَوْمٌ وَهُمْ فِي النَّاسِ أَمْوَاتُهُ That some people have physically left this world but the character has kept them alive. And some people are physically alive, but the character has killed them before they have physically died. Let me repeat that. The people have left this world, but the character has kept them alive. That no one is indispensable, but they are certain in irreplaceable. Nobody is indispensable, but there are certain individuals that are irreplaceable, and I say this without a shadow of doubt. In terms of Islamic jurisprudence, Mufti Ibrahim Desai was great scholars and ulama. 
and you know my relationship with him goes back to uh, you know to the early 2000s and you know I traveled with uh, Mufti Saab you know many a times we've traveled to uh, to North America and I recall he was the he was the individual or rather that alim that had introduced me to the international stage when I was in Camperdown in those years in those early years you know we had studied under Mufti Saab and you know he had insisted that you know, I should travel, you know, so he had opened up many uh, doors and avenues for me to travel. And uh, alhamdulillah, you know, we had enjoyed a, uh, an extremely close relationship and bond, you know, for years on end. And, uh, you know, weeks ago, we heard of the passing away of, you know, another great giant, Mulataha Karani Cape, you know, who was, uh, you know, commonly referred to as the Imam Shafi'i of the time. And Mufti Ibrahim Desai was referred to as the Imam Abu Hanifa of the time. And, you know, I always say this, that many a times, uh, you know, these great scholars and ulama, many of them become more popular after they have left this world than whilst they were alive. Uh, you know, and Mufti Ibrahim Desai was one of those individuals. In fact, I have seen, uh, you know, certain messages from great scholars and ulama from different parts of the world, you know, who had identified and recognized, uh, you know, the knowledge that Mufti Saab had. And I say this without exaggeration. I honestly do not believe that Mufti Saab himself realized the knowledge that he had, uh, you know, oh, when it came know. to various different aspects. And one of the, uh, amongst the many attributes that Allah had uh, favored him, you know, with, he, was, he was one of the most balanced ulama, you know, in this day and age. And I recall the last time that he had visited our masjid in Amshanga, he had performed a nikah and he had insisted that I deliver the, the Jummah talk. And in the Jummah talk, in fact, uh, when I looked at him and there was a thought that crossed my mind, and I just shared that with the audience, and uh, I just thought I'll share it with the listeners today, that the definition of the unification of this Ummah is not consensus on one view. The definition of the unification of this Ummah is not consensus on one view, simply because if any person has that intention of unifying the Ummah, bringing them onto consensus that I'm afraid by its very definition, it's a flawed definition. And Mufti, I've noticed this. Uh, you know, I personally, I used to interact with him and we, you know, we differed on certain issues, but, you know, the respect he held for the opposing view, you know, and I think this is something that is lacking, you know, in this day and age where a person holds onto his view and any person who holds the opposing view, you know, then that person is considered to be my opposition. And what Mufti Ibrahim Desai, I've noticed this many a time with other scholars and ulama. You know, he held a certain view, but he respected, you know, the view of other scholars and ulama. So there's so much that could be said about him. Uh, you know, I enjoyed, uh, you know, close moments. In fact, the day that uh, Mufti Saab had passed on, uh, you know, I had visited him, you know, in the hospital. And, you know, I'm sure we have seen, uh, you know, many, many positive messages uh, you know, on social media with regards to, uh, you know, the people, uh, you know, there was a nurse in the hospital who had reverted to Islam. You know, he was a, uh, you know, he was a true ambassador, you know, of this beautiful deen of Allah. So much could be said about him. You know, we make dua to the Almighty Allah. Let you know, elevate and escalate his stages. Uh, Allah expand his grave. Allah grant his uh, family sabrun jameel. And uh, inshallah, you know, let him enjoy. Allah Ta'ala elevate him so that he could enjoy uh, you know, Allah elevate him so that he could be with Imam Abu Hanifa, these great scholars, these great giants, um, you know, of the past. And I think just one lesson, or, or you know, one last point I would leave, uh, you know, the listeners with. Nabi Akareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam prophesied so, more than 1400 years ago at Yurfa'ul Ilm, that knowledge would be taken away. And how would this happen? In Allah la yurfa'ul ilma intiza'an, 
ولكن يقبض العلم بقبض العلماء ده حديث ابيض البخاري الله will take scholars and علماء away like حسن بصري used to say that لولا العلماء لصار الناس مثل البهائم had it not been because of the scholars and the علماء the general masses would have become like animals so we make dua that Allah you know preserve our scholars and علماء you know in our country we have great scholars and علماء let Allah preserve them and protect them for opportunity you know, much could be said. Inshallah, till we speak to you again. Inshallah. Jazakallah so much for your time. We have my Ustad and Ustad of Qurra. Uh, Qari Ayyub Ishaq Sab. Qari Sab is the head of the Tajweed and the Qira Shu'ba in Darul Ulum Zakaria. Qari Sab, Assalamu Alaikum wa Rahmatullahi wa Barakatuh. Wa Alaikum Assalamu Rahmatullahi wa Barakatuh. Karisab, we're speaking this evening about Hazrat Mufti Ibrahim Saab. Uh, Karisab's son sends me a message and he says that my Walid Saab, meaning Karisab, shared with me Mufti Ibrahim had messaged Kariyub Saab a few weeks ago saying, please make dua for me, you are from Ahlul Quran, I have lots of muhabbat for you. And I suppose that is the relationship that Karisab had with Mufti Ibrahim. Yeah. Karisab, my acquaintance with Hazrat Mufti Ibrahim Saab goes back uh, many, many years ago to the early 80s while he was a student at uh, in Dabel in India. I was a student in Takteshwar at another madrasa. But on one occasion, I clearly remember visiting uh, Qari Yunus Desai, who is the Ustad of Kirat at uh, Darlum Azadwal currently. And his brother, who also were both students in, in, in Dabel, Hafiz Dawood. So it was a Thursday evening, and we uh, usually, that's the day off, it's the weekend. And I visited Dabel. And these two brothers, Kari Yunus and his brother, Hafiz Dawood, took me to Mufti Ibrahim's room. And uh, Alhamdulillah, subhanAllah, if you have to see, uh, you know, the commitment to study, even in his day, the day of the weekend, he was sitting, he was two or three years behind, and I was probably in my final year or the pre-final year. He was sitting with his thick book on the day when most students, by and large, would take a break and they will relax uh, and have nothing to do with any study. But he was seated in his spot with his book, and uh, when we went and visited and sat with him, he didn't move away from his book, he remained there, and uh, spoke to us, and from time to time he would glance at his book. Uh, yeah, and I felt that maybe we are, uh, you know, so to say, a spoke in the wheel, or kebab me haddi, as we call it. <laughs> and we were coming, you know, causing, uh, you know, discomfort for him. So we sat for a little while, and that was my first impression of this individual, that how committed was he to his study, and he was studying fiqh at that time, and Allah took him uh, to the heights of, uh, iftar and, and, and what we see today, uh, you know, across the globe, he has, he has reached in the English-speaking uh, world, uh, you know, throughout, you know, you know and very few have achieved this. And I'm not going to uh, go into more, any more details, just, just that uh, my last meeting with him was in this Ramadan. On, I happened to be in Durban in the last few days. And uh, it was on the 27th night of Ramadan. Uh, I, I was in the area and uh, one of the, my hosts said that maybe we will just pop in at Masjid Salihin in Sherwood, where the Bukti Sahib is in, uh, in Etikaf and Mawlana Ahmad Chohan 
who came on earlier. So I visited, I, I made a point of going there and I met Maulana Ahmad Chohan and I told him, is Mufti Saab uh, available? If he's already gone to his, into his Etikaf enclosure, then uh, so be it. And I was about to return. Then Maulana Ahmad insisted and took me upstairs. But somebody had already reached Mufti Saab and informed him that I was on my way up. So he emerged from his Mu'takaf, from his cubicle, and he welcomed me, took me into his Etikaf. And he seated me on his mattress there, which I re- reluctantly uh, uh, sat on. And I insisted he sit with me next to me on the mattress. He refused that. Sat in front of me, almost as if, as a student would sit in front of an ustad. I, I am undeserving of that kind of, uh, you know, respect. But this was, and this is the overriding and the most prominent feature from all the speeches so far that the humility of us Bhutisab was of another level. I was in Umrah a few times with him, and uh, whenever he met, we shared uh, an apartment uh, in the sense that he was in the apartment just prior to my arriving at that apartment. And he left some things there and, and messaged me later on that all that I've left these things for you there, so please do enjoy it and use it. This is the humility, and, and there were Masail from time to time, and I know he has uh, from time to time reached out through his students, when it came to any masala on karat and so on, he would instruct his students to get in touch with me and, uh, you know, I, whatever I could, uh, you know, uh, put forward to them and he would most be appreciative of that. I visited at the Darul Ifta also and he had a query and we sat and discussed and he was so open to to speaking to somebody in, in, a, in a particular field who he felt in his own understanding that was more qualified in that and this is how I think, you know, from what I have been hearing and what I know of Muftizab, that he was open to the suggestions and he was open to whatever knowledge that came from somewhere else where he may not have that expertise. He was he looked at the expertise and the balance and everything that that point came forward. And, and there's something that I looked up to uh, with Hazrat Muftizab. And Alhamdulillah, uh, he was very respectful to me and I was... Uh, in, the, in like manner uh, to him, but he always, you know, treated me as though I'm a senior, yet we were just a few years apart in age. But uh, that was his humility that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala endowed him with. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granting Jannatul Fiddos and Al-Maqam. And uh, he may, may take his Darul Iftah, which he established with great effort, may he take it from strength to strength. Mufti Ismail Desai Saab, Maaf, I was just bypassing you. I wanted to get through some of the guests a little quickly, but so much coming to the fore, Mufti Ismail Saab. I would just like to mention two important points here. The first is that we learn from our great Akabirin, the Akabirin of Deoband. One Hazrat Morana Ahmad Khalil Ahmad Saharampuri, great Puzruk and Muhaddis of the time that his Shagird Hazrat Morana Yahya Saab was the father and Walid Muhtaram of Hazrat Sheikh Zakaria Rahmatullah Ali. At once Hazrat Morana Yahya Saab, Morana Khalil Ahmad Saharampuri Saab mentioned to, to Hazrat that, you know, there are certain letters there that I even feel shy to speak about. So Morana Khalil Ahmad Saharampuri, look at the words that he used and these words should be written with gold for everyone, including myself. Hazrat said that Parate Raho Shayad Mera Isla Ho Jayega. 
read, read those letters. It's very possible that inshallah my islah will also be made. And in the same manner, Walid Sahib Rahmatullah being such a personality, used to receive those kind of letters. And I would sometimes take those letters and try to, you know, shred them and dump them, etc. Walid Sahib Rahmatullah used to say, that bring those letters to me. I need to read those letters also. Shayad mera islah ho jayega. Allahu Akbar, subhanallah. Ji ha, we have the Mufti of Jamitul Ulama KZN, Mufti Ismail Basa, Mufti Sab, Assalamu Alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh to you, Manana, and the listeners of Radio Islam and Channel Islam. Mufti Sab, we're going to ask you quickly for your interaction with Mufti Ibrahim. Shri alhamdulillah, Mufti Ibrahim Sab in 1993 was appointed as the head of the Fatwa Department by Hazrat Mulana Yunus Patel Sahib Rahmatullah Ali and Mulana Umarji Rahmatullah Ali. Mufti Sahib served that position for almost 30 years. And Mufti Sahib served in many other positions. He served as a permanent member of the Jamiat Iftar Committee, which comprises of senior muftis of KZN, and also an executive member of the Jamiat uh, for many years until his demise. Mufti Sahib was very passionate of one of the committees, and one of the committees was the Judicial Committee of the Jamiat. The Judicial Committee of the Jamaat is where uh, marriages are brought forward, uh, there's issues in the marriages, and then grounds are found uh, to annul those marriages. So Mufti Sahib took uh, great interest in the Judicial Committee of the Jamiat to the extent that whilst Mufti Sahib was running the Darul Iftar, he would bring students on a weekly basis uh, to observe him dealing uh, with, this, with these marital matters and the students would sit there as observers, take notes down, and watch Mufti Sahib in his element uh, trying to resolve these issues and, and, and uh, resolving uh, these marital issues. And, you know, you would have ulama that would sometimes sit in these meetings and would chair these meetings, and these meetings would go on for long, two, three, four hours at a time. But, alhamdulillah, we witnessed Mufti Sahib you know, dealing uh, uh, and, and, and being present in these, these judicial meetings and wrapping up these meetings in, 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 in half an hour or less than that time. This was the, the, the uniqueness of, of Mufti Saab. So Alhamdulillah, we had a very close uh, relationship with Mufti Saab uh, at the Jamiat. Mufti Saab was the head of the Fatwa department and all the Fatwa, etc. were supervised uh, and were under the supervision uh, of uh, Mufti Saab. If we look at uh, Mufti Saab's issuing of rulings, Mufti Saab would not fear anyone when it came to issuing a fatwa. Uh, and uh, he would ensure that when he would issue a fatwa, it would not be emotionally based. Uh, he would ensure that it must be in accordance to the dictates of the Sharia. At the same time, Mufti Saab's mizaj and temperament was that whatever uh, rulings you extract from the books, uh, it must be put in its proper context. And you must also consider the recipient of the ruling so that the correct message is delivered, the right message is delivered, and, uh, you know, the person benefits uh, from uh, the issuance of that ruling. Whenever he issued a fatwa, he was never cruel, he was never harsh. Uh, whenever he gave uh, guidance, he gave it with wisdom, with tact, um, and he made it a point to leave a lasting impression on the person um, and always motivated people, always gave them hope uh, in terms of Mufti Saab's passion uh, for a certain fiqhi angle, Mufti, uh, fiqhi field, Mufti Saab had, had great passion for Islamic finance. 
And uh, whenever there were problems brought forward, the students will tell you themselves, Professor, uh, would, would make sure that they find a solution uh, for that specific problem, for that particular problem. Um, and Mufti Saab would uh, consult various experts uh, in, in, in various fields, whether it was in the medical field, uh, whether it was in the field of law, etc. Mufti Saab would consult all these people. He will put all of that information together, and then he would reach his final uh, conclusion of issuing fatawa. One thing of Mufti Saab, Mufti Saab was very close to the fatwa department of the Jamiat, obviously, because he was in that position and appointed as the head mufti uh, for almost 30 years uh, by Hazrat Mawlana Yunus Patel and Mawlana Umarji Rahmatullahi Alayhi. Um, so he, 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 he was very sensitive uh, to the fatwa department. He was very close to the fatwa department to the extent that when he was at his Darul Ifta, he would issue fatwa and Mufti Saab, a senior person, he would do proper tahtik, proper research, but he would still send it to us as his students in the fatwa department for our views and for our input. Uh, and this would happen all the time. Uh, he would send uh, fatwa all the time and he would be open with us. Uh, uh, and he would say, you know what, critique it as much as possible, uh, you know, from a fiqhi angle and, 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 and don't, don't worry about it. And he would not take any offense whenever uh, input was given, uh, whenever, you know, uh, some form of uh, uh, input was given from our side. Mufti Saab would emphasize that his students be particular on the ma'amulat. And he himself was very particular on his, his ma'amulat, his daily uh, uh, practices. Uh, Mufti Saab instilled in his students the thirst for research. When you would enroll at the Darul Ifta, you would come. And this thirst of, of research and tahtiq will, will just you know, automatically uh, be part of, of your being. And, and you would just want to uh, you know, research. Mufti Saab, uh, when, when it came to... Uh, uh, serving the community in KZN, he would tell us that, Alhamdulillah, I have served the Muslim community in KZN, and I have had interactions with almost every home or family in KZN. And uh, in his jalsas, and, uh, uh, you know, when he would meet the ulama, he would say that my ustads and my students, they are my life. We make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, unite Mufti Ibrahim Saab with his Asatiza and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raise him and keep him with the Salihin and the Muttaqin. Amin. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Mufti Ismail Saab, our next guest on the line is Uncle Soli Suleiman. Perhaps a bit of introduction and you could welcome him. Uncle Soli Suleiman um, is a senior member of our Muslim community here in South Africa. He is director and the chairman of the Minara Chamber of Commerce and the Islamic Medical Association. And he is also director of the Ahmad Al-Qadi Hospital. Inshallah, um, Uncle Soli will provide a brief background to the Ahmad Al-Qadi Hospital and my father's passing away and the link to that, Inshallah. Uncle Suleiman, Assalamu Alaikum wa Rahmatullah. Wa Alaikum Assalamu Alaikum wa Rahmatullah. Welcome to the program this evening. We're speaking about Mufti Ibrahim and your input, please. Jazakallah. Uh, Jazakallah for having me on the program. It's really a privilege and pleasure to be on this program, especially to speak about uh, late Mufti Ibrahim Desai, uh, who was really a man in a million. I really don't think we have many people of his caliber 
uh, around at the moment, uh, unfortunately. I spoke to him twice recently, one when his mother-in-law needed hospitalization and uh, subsequently requesting him to participate in a discussion on vaccines. And I think many people that have seen his his uh, this discussion and his uh, presentation on vaccines would, would realize that he did an exceptionally good job and well-researched. Uh, and unfortunately, many people, many... Um, Many of our leadership have, have little clue of, of what's really uh, going on in, in the COVID uh, uh, scenario. And he had an excellent understanding. I mean, the discussion on Tagdeer and discussion on, on the background to, to, to uh, the vaccines and to protect others and, and that type of thing. You know, he was really, uh, very, very well versed and very, you know, balanced in his view. So he was really uh, you know, someone that actually thought things through very, very, very clearly. He was an intellectual par excellence who would explain Islamic concepts to ignorant individuals like myself in such a simple manner that you could understand it, you know. And and the one very important thing, in, in, uh, similar to the issue of vaccines, he was really balancing the approach to very complicated topics. He was, was able to explain the Sharia concepts with really minimal controversy and of course, will justify his position by quoting quoting from Hadith and Quran and, and and his you know understanding of many other things. You know, he was really an unassuming intellectual giant with with quite a large following. So many people didn't realize what an intellectual giant he was. He played a very important role in arbitrating disputes as well, and and, and there to ensure that he was there was fairness in whatever he decided and whatever fatwa he, he you know basically gave. I mean, obviously, you're aware that his students are from all over the world, and some of whom would follow, inshallah, follow in his footsteps. But I don't think anyone will be able to be in a position to emulate him, you know. um, We lost many phenomenal scholars and ulama recently, and we hope and pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses us with more ulama like him, inshallah. Inshallah. Seven years ago, we, as the Islamic Medical Association, approached Mufti Saab. Uh, to give us some advice and direction regarding a Sharia investment model for the Ahmad al-Qadi Hospital. I mean, this was a project that we kind of started thinking about. It was really a dream. Uh, in 2008, we, we said, let's look at an Islamic hospital. Let's look at a you know, Sharia-compliant investment model. Let's look at something that the Muslim community can actually kind of look forward to and look, uh, you know, and, and, and give, you, give some type of... Uh, uh, you know, uh, ethos, an Islamic ethos. So when you get into a hospital of this nature, you know, the environment is, is, is Islamic. Uh, there's facilities for salah, there's Qibla direction. There's an underlying, uh, in, in a thing like this, there's an underlying uh, concept of care and, and, uh, and you know, really empathy. And, uh, and that's why this, this came about. And, you know, when we went to him and said, this is what you're looking at, between him and Musti Musti Ismail, uh, his son Ismail, uh, they played a very important role in, in helping us and guiding us and giving us the right type of model which will be the foundation of this hospital. And of course, it was just a dream at this point in time. And uh, and of course, you know, when you come up with this type of thing, you need encouragement, you need direction, you need people to kind of uh, help us, you need the duas. He not only encouraged, advised us on the model, but he encouraged many, many members of the community to invest in the project. I mean, mostly Saab endorses something, then Alhamdulillah, uh, his followers and many other people will just uh, ensure they follow what he says, in a sense, you know, because if he's saying 
his opinion is given. I mean, then the reality is, is uh, many of us would just say, yes, that's it. We're not going to debate and argue the point because we're not in the same league, you know. So it's, as I said, you're not to advise on the model, but encourage many members of the community to invest. He was at Hemet to go ahead with this mammoth. Remember, it was a mammoth project. Uh, the Islamic Medical Association, really, it was a dream. And our dream initially was that we have a charity hospital. Now, a charity hospital would, would not have made it. It could not survive because the cost of running an operation like this is in reason of about uh, 20, something, about 18 to 20 million a month. Sure. So the concept of, of, of just doing a charity hospital wasn't going to work effectively, you know. So... So we had to basically go out to the community and, and having an endorsement of, 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 of a person of his caliber made it easy. And, uh, and of course, the duas, I mean, his, obviously, duas made a big difference, you know. He's probably a direct line with the Almighty. <laughs> so to raise 400 and some odd million uh, without, uh, you know, having too much in the kitty from the Islamic Medical Association said it was not an easy task, and, and that's what we achieved. And, uh, and you know, when you look at this hospital and you walk around the hospital, you know that the doors of many people, and, and, and him being one of them, uh, made, that, uh, made that difference, made it what it is. So when you get in, walk into this hospital, it's got, and you want to be proud that, it's, you know, it's, it's the Muslim community made it happen, you know, and made it uh, a success that it is. And uh, so, so it's, it's, it's something that we'll always be grateful to him for because, you know, without that type of direction, you know, he could have just told us just, it won't work or he could have just told us, you know, he's not really, doesn't think it's a, it's, a, it's a model that will basically worth investing in. But he didn't. He actually went out of his way and gave us the time. I remember uh, my brother Faisal and I and Dr. Solwa we were part of the team that's kind of initiated the project. Uh, for the Islamic Medical Association. Remember, we didn't even have much knowledge of hospitals at that point in time. You know? <laughs> so, so don't like this. I, must, I must say he had some foresight and vision and that maybe he saw something within us that we're going to make it a success. But ultimately, the success didn't come from, from, from us as such. You know, we can't take credit from this because, you know, when you do things for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then he makes it successful. He guides and he removes the barriers. And there were many, many barriers, you know, in the way when we, we, we got this, there's dozens of barriers. But Alhamdulillah, we made it happen, and uh, little did we realize, and he's relatively younger than I am, and he's relatively a long, young man comparatively, you know. And little did we all realize that he'll be admitted to this hospital. So we were preparing it for him. So <laughs> And and he, and he left the world in an Islamic environment, you know, that was a great thing. And, you know, he... Gee, gee. And he had quite an influence on, on the uh, on the uh, nursing staff and personnel. I mean, I was told that he might uh, that he uh, someone uh, you know reverted because of him. And, you know, but he was such a persuasive uh, persuasive man. You know, so persuasive, so so balanced, and, and you know, uh, unassuming. And he was kind of the way he spoke. You know, you kind of felt comfortable. You felt that he's in you know, the presence of someone great. You know, um, Subhanallah. And, and, you know, that's, that's the difference between, I mean, you know, you have leaders and you have leaders. And this, this, this was a leader of, 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 of note, you know. And, you know, I don't, say, I don't say that lightly because, you know, at our age we've seen many leaders. We've seen many ulama. We've seen uh, people that disunite. 
rather than unite. And he was a type of level-headed individual that united the community, united people. Even if he, if he, if he disagreed with you, he wouldn't do it in the manner that that would be insulting or derogatory or wouldn't talk down upon an individual. He made sure that uh, people understood the way he, he put it. You know, he's very more quite a bit of a diplomat. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant him uh, the highest status in Jannah, inshallah. Amen, amen, amen. Dr. Sir, really our dua is Allah Ta'ala must take this hospital from strength to strength. Amen, We've been amen. hearing that the phenomenal work being done in the time during of the COVID and uh, the effort you all have made really it is an honor to speak to you this evening it's the first time we are speaking but really our dua is Allah must take it and must make it grow inshallah Amen, Amen, Amen the thing is we've always not put I mean it's a private hospital profits are the thing but we never ever put profit above anything else we always ensure that the nurses understood this that it's it's really empathy and care before anything else. Everything else follows, and alhamdulillah, that's happened. And we did, you know, the hospital did play a very important role during COVID. You know, we had 40 cars at times with people struggling to breathe, trying to get into the emergency department. And we eventually set up a whole facility in partnership with the, the NMJ and Muslims for Humanity and other organizations. And it actually, so people could just come in, spend, you know, not, sit in the cars for forty uh, for two and three hours and struggle to breathe and die in the car. You know, unfortunately that's what was happening. People were dying like flies in, in Durban in January, you know, in December. But alhamdulillah we, we had that type of and you see that's a problem. The underlying concept of this hospital is this is a certain you know, although it's not a charity, it's a private hospital, there's underlying there is this, this type of uh, charity element in there because the Islamic people associate them with a certain amount of, has a certain amount of equity there. And that equity will not be used by Islamic medical sources for itself. It's there for the benefit of the community. It's an amanat that we're holding on behalf of the community we serve. And part of that amanat is to help the ulama. We have to ensure that the ulama are taken care of because often you find that ulama do not have medical aid and that type of thing. And often we we kind of take take uh, pride in, 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 in trying to meet some of the needs. Not all the needs, but some of the needs of the ulama, inshallah. We have another doctor on the line now, Dr. Yusuf Amir. Dr. Sap is a specialist urologist. He's a the surgeon. He's also a final year student in Madrasa Hamidiyah in Overport. And he also treated Mufti Ibrahim Sap. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu Mulana and all the esteemed listeners. Um, after hearing all our honorable senior ulama and uh, members of the community uh, like Uncle Solly speak, I, I really do feel very privileged and honored that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala... No, really, me, today we're speaking about... Yeah. Allah gave me the honor to serve this great wali of Allah, um, this great servant of deen um, in his last few weeks. You know, um, even as someone who spent such uh, a short amount of time uh, compared to many of the, the others on the panel, um, really I've seen most of these qualities uh, in the, the period that I interacted with Mufti Saab. And Alhamdulillah, Allah afforded me the opportunity in the last two weeks of his life to be with him on a daily basis, Alhamdulillah. Um, what I thought I would share and um, you know, uh, w- was uh, my three-part interaction with Mufti Saab. You know, I saw Mufti Saab as a medical practitioner, uh, like every other medical practitioner seeking advice with regards to the fiqh of medicine 
And then I interacted with Mutisab, alhamdulillah, as a student in Dora Hadith, Madrasa Hamidiyah. And then, um, am I still there, Molana? Gee, you're still on, okay. uh, Dr. Sir. And then, um, you know, and finally I had the, uh, you know, invaluable opportunity of being a close attendant to Hazrat Mufti Sahib, Rahmatullah Ali, in his last two weeks of his illness. With regards to, you know, interacting with him as a medical practitioner, initially I would interact with Mufti Sahib on various medical queries on a very random basis before, you know, the last year when COVID hit us. And uh, Alhamdulillah, you know, we had many fruitful sort of interactions with regards to various fatawa with medical issues. But uh, when COVID hit us, um, the real Kamal of Musti Sahab was, was seen. Um, you know, there was utter, utter confusion in every sector of community. Um, amongst the medical fraternity and amongst the ulama fraternity, there was confusion, there was disarray. But this is where Mufti Saab shone. He not only gave us encouragement as medical professionals, especially those who were working in the hospitals and right on the front line, he also guided us, encouraged us, and made us, um, you know, gave us the strength to continue uh, this arduous task of dealing with very, very sick patients. You must remember this was at a time when there was lots of negative sentiment being sent around regarding our profession and uh, how we were involved in hyping the numbers. Mufti Saab was a real support at that time. Secondly, his fatawa with regards to the COVID and issues related to COVID were so well researched and so balanced. Alhamdulillah, it was very well acknowledged across the board amongst all our senior health professionals here in Durban and across the globe. Alhamdulillah. And you know, lastly, on this aspect, I remember him engaging with me because he wanted to get the best and the most correct answer for the Ummah out there. We arranged a panel of experts in the field uh, of the disease, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, and we brought together our head of Department of Infectious Diseases here in, in Durban. We brought on a microbiologist and using their expertise in the field and his expertise in FIC, he came to conclusions with regards to fatawa regarding the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, me as a medical practitioner on one side and sitting also on the other side with the cap of a student of Dean, I was able to appreciate Mufti Saab's thoroughness in deriving his fatawa with regards to this pandemic. And, you know, because I had such a short interaction in this intense period, I really, really, uh, you know, I am shaken, um, you, know, the, you know, with regards to the foresight of Mufti Saab in, in his issuing of fatawa. The next aspect I inter- interacted with Mufti Saab was as a student. Alhamdulillah, Allah has given us an opportunity to sit, um, you know, on the opening uh, lessons of Bukhari Sharif. And, you know, although, um, you know, we had just a month of classes with Mufti Saab, it left an indelible impression on my heart with regards to what a master Mufti Saab was in his field of ahadith. Just a few, you know, things that stand out for me. Mufti Saab would start every lesson with these most beautiful words. He would say, most beloved student. I've attended lectures across the board in the secular academic field. I've attended dars in the ilmi setting. But never did I experience a teacher who would address his students with such fondness. His love and his fondness and kindness to his students 
was palpable. It, not only were those words palpable, his actual demeanor towards us was also palpable. His, uh, next, his deep understanding of the hadith was evident. He would come into the dars, open his kitab, and the dars would roll off his tongue as if he was reading a script. But as Mufti Hashim, Dhamma uh, Barakat, will tell you is that he had, he has been teaching hadith for a long time. He was, he was teaching out of his memory. Thirdly, his passion for the words of Rasul left an indelible impression on me. He told us that if we focused and we sat with passion in these dars of hadith, we will surely see Rasul in our dreams here. He told us that people of the world go home at the end of the day, making effort of the world, and they go home with the dunya. And we are making effort, and we are learning the words of Rasul and when we go home, we will go home with the words of Rasul He was an excellent teacher. He, his explanations and uh, simplified the subject of ahadith, and we all understood his dars with clarity, alhamdulillah. And finally, he had such love for his seniors, the Akabirin. It was never a lesson where he did not mention or refer to the Akabirin in his discourses. Finally, my interaction with him and was the climax of my interaction with Hazrat Musisab was the last two weeks of his life. I spent every day of the last two weeks of Hazrat Musisab's life at his bedside. Alhamdulillah. I may shukar to Allah for that opportunity. And there's a few things that I witnessed and I would like to share. On his first day, when we admitted Hazrat Musisab to the hospital and he was on oxygen, uh, you know, we put him on oxygen and we had to, due to the COVID protocols, not have anyone around for that period of time. And uh, after they settled him in his bed and we had to come back to him, Musisab was so, uh, he, he amazed me in, in that situation, you know. Generally, when you just enter a ward full of patients who are on oxygen and who obviously are not in the best shape, Musisab told us, that I had the opportunity of making amal on Faktu Tahurain. For those, I mean, he mentioned to us that I, you know, it was such clarity of mind that today I had no access to water and to make Tayyamum, but I at least had the opportunity to make amal on Faktu Tahurain. That means so to well, make. The, and, and together with that, he then also went on and said, because he was confined to his bed with the oxygen mask, he knew that the Qibla was in a certain direction that he could only face in a certain direction. He said, I also made amal on that. With reading Salah, in, although, not being, uh, although knowing I'm not facing the Qibla, I was confined to reading my Salah in the direction that I was seated in. Secondly, when we got into hospital, I noticed that Hazrat Mufti Saab, rahmatullah had brought along with him his fatawa. Even in this condition of his sickness, Hazrat Mufti Saab had such fikr for his fatawa. And it reminds me of what Mufti Ismail has just mentioned, that Mufti Sab, one wish was that he should die continuing the work of Deen. Thirdly, I had the opportunity of feeding Hazrat Mufti Sab on many occasions in the hospital. And his, he displayed such appreciation, such humility, and he was extremely generous with his duas to me. Alhamdulillah. I often took out his tayammum stone for him, 
and watched as he made his tayammum slowly with such care. I often watched him raise his hands and make dua with lots of emotion and earnestness. He often sat serenely with his tasbih in his hand engaged in zikr. On one occasion, I had the opportunity of sleeping on the couch next to Hazrat Mufti Saab. And you must remember, uh, a patient who has COVID, who has an oxygen mask attached to him, has his own parashan and his own worries to take care of with regards to the oxygen. But he, in that state, looked at me and asked me if I was okay on the couch, lying down next to him. This was the quality of Mufti Saab, the shafqa. I felt it. Although... You know, Mufti Sahib resisted many times. I had the, humble, the opportunity of massaging Mufti Sahib's feet on a few occasions. I felt honored to be able to massage the feet of this giant and this great servant of Deen, Alhamdulillah. The nurse attending to him was so moved by Mufti Sahib's character and also in his genuine concern for her to bring Iman that she took the Shahada. In, uh, while I was present with him, he, she read the Shahada. Alhamdulillah, it was a very emotional moment for myself also. Hazrat Musti Saab, I know there's so much to say, but he kept on telling me he wanted to get back to his Bukhari Dar. And as the days went and he realized his days are being spent in hospital and he wasn't able to get to his Bukhari Dar, he then told me, we should start continue, uh, we should continue listening to the recordings that Hazrat Mufti Saab had made. And alhamdulillah, this is again the foresight of this great servant of Deen, alayhi rahmah, that he made recordings in the last couple of years of his Bukhari Dars. And I think every student of Deen should make use of this valuable legacy that he's left. So he, he, he gave me this advice, he says, advise the class that they should go on listening to his recording. Uh, the other thing that comes to mind was his burning love for the days of Zilhijjah. Zilhijjah was his passion. On the first day of Zilhijjah, I walked into his room with his condition, as I men- mentioned before, with the oxygen mask on his face. He looked at me and he said, today is the first of Zilhijjah. Allahu Akbar, in that condition, he was still aware that that was the first day of Zilhijjah. And thereafter, he would often tell me that these are the very Mubarak days of Zilhijjah. Lastly, on the Wednesday before his demise, he told me he feels like it is his time to meet his Allah. As much as I tried to convince him that inshallah he will improve, he seemed determined what he was saying. That same day, I heard him reciting duas aloud. And one of the duas he read was, Allahumma barakli fil maut. And I heard him making zikr aloud, such that the entire ward could hear his zikr of Allah, Allah. There's much more I could say, Malala, I know time is running out. It's, uh, it's Dr. Saab, I'm enjoying it. I don't want to stop you, Allah. Inshallah, <laughs> if I, we have time, inshallah, on another platform, I would love to share my every moment with Mufti Saab. I just make shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he offered me these very valuable and precious two weeks of my life that I spent with a giant of being who, when I reflect on the, what Mulana uh, Vanka Saab had just mentioned, I saw it in front of my eyes that Allah takes away the knowledge of deen by taking away scholars. 
really I've seen it in front of my eyes and that vivid, that hadith is very vivid in, in the death of Mufti Sahib Rahmatullahi Inshallah, I make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala unite us all as students. Amen, Amen, Inshallah. 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 We have the last guest, really. I want to apologize to some of the other guests. It was unable to take... Uh, it's been two hours and, and, and it's, it's so intriguing that I, I promise you if there was another two hours, we would still have carried on. Brother Ibrahim Patel was on the live with us. Brother Ibrahim, Assalamu Alaikum. Walaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, Mawlana. I'm so sorry I've kept you on air for a while, but I was so didn't want to stop Dr. Saab when he was speaking of the last few moments. Your interactions with Mufti Ibrahim and some of the things you learned? Mawlana, you know, it is, it is such a tragedy for me to fathom that Mawlana is no more, Mufti Saab is no more. We go back close to 21 years. Um, I was at the bank uh, working for First Rand. And uh, we started the first ever Islamic uh, Sharia compliant finance through a, com a commercial bank in South Africa. And, and Mufti Saab was extremely instrumental. You know, for, for years we, we met with him and his guidance and his knowledge and his input truly left an indelible mark uh, in Islamic banking in this country. And I think one can never, ever deter from the contribution he made to many, many businesses and many, many businessmen that are out there today that benefit and use Islamic finance, which today is offered by all the banks. So, you know, Mufti Saab can never be forgotten in terms of his role and his contribution to Muslim businessmen. And one must understand that businesses today, Islamic businesses, with the barakah of using Sharia finance uh, and creating a halal risk would have so much of influence on our larger community and on our larger country. And, you know, my interactions with Mufti Saab were always of epic uh, learnings. You know, Mufti Saab was knowledgeable. He was humble in his own way. And he was extremely supportive of the efforts that we put in. So, you know, it was from that relationship that we established more than just uh, a working relationship, but a friendship uh, that lasted up to about two weeks before he was admitted was when the last time I spoke to him. So I'm very saddened and very, very um, sad on the passing of Mufti Saab. Okay, Brian, we've reached our time. We say, Jazakallah, may Allah take it from strength to strength and may it be such that we are able to present many more solutions to some of the challenges that we find ourselves in, especially in the field of Islamic economics. Amin, amin, amin. Before we end off with Mufti Ismail and, and we ask him to round about, give him some time to just gather his thoughts and on closing, I just want to say Mufti Saab was the resident Mufti of, of Channel Islam. Uh, we make dua that Allah Ta'ala replace them, all of those that have lost 
uh, a personality, be it the loss of Mufti Ibrahim, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give you an appropriate and really after our interaction with Mufti Ismail, Mufti Saab has prepared people to take over. Obviously, it will take time for them to nurture to that level. And as we know, none of us is here to stay forever. We all will have to leave this world. But really, today was... You know, when, when we were speaking, it was almost like I was thinking of my father and the hospital and all of those things that happened together. So these are some of the experiences. People are going through difficulty. These were the special friends of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whom Allah used to console so many people in the different dilemmas that they are facing. Of this mail, a, 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 a amazing program today in the true sense of the word. Really, Allah has blessed you with such a father. I'm going to ask you, you have time, some of your concluding remarks, and perhaps you could end off with a dua, inshallah. Inshallah. Marana, you know, there's so many thoughts that are flying through my mind, but I would like to mention five points, inshallah. The first is that Walid Sahib Rahmatullah Ali had great love for Madina Sharif and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And I recall that on my first Umrah, that Walid Sahib Rahmatullah Ali had a very great desire to visit all of the different Mubarak places in and, in and around Medina Sharif, etc. And we went to to Badr, we went to the to the Qabristan of Badr, and at that Qabristan of Badr, Walid Sahib Rahmatullah Ali sat there for many, many hours, and he started extolling the different virtues of the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum, and upon each virtue, tears would flow through his eyes. And we had spent much time in the different, different Mubarak places around Medina Sharif, etc. And he had great love for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa to such an extent that I would recall that every time he would make salam at the Rosai Mubarak, he would take sometimes hours to make that salam with so much of love and mahabbat. And inshallah, it is with all of that love and mahabbat that <coughs> one of the dreams that we hear is that one person asked Walid Sahib Rahmatullah Ali that who is your parosi in Jannah? And my respected father, Nawarallah Marqada, who responded and said that Nabi Sallallahu is my parosi and my neighbor in Jannah. Subhanallah. The, the second important point is that Walid Sahib Rahmatullah Ali he had great shafqat and love for his asatida. And I remember very clearly that he had a lot of respect and adab for Hazrat Morana Chokshi Saab, who is one of the senior ustad of hadith in South Africa. And upon hearing of the demise of Walid Saab Rahmatullah Ali, Hazrat Morana called me and he actually cried on the phone. And it was an extremely emotional moment. So one can imagine that for the Ustaz to cry upon the demise of the student, such a great and lofty maqam the student had also reached. The third important point is, that I would like to mention here is, that Walid Sahib Rahmatullah Ali's desire and wish was that we spread his teachings to the four corners of the world and we <coughs> take lessons from all of his works. And there are various websites, I would like to quickly enumerate them, the one is www.askimam.org where almost it is a compilation of almost 40,000 fatawa from the late 1990s. Secondly is Darul Mahmud 
which is named after his sheikh, Hazrat Mufti Mahmoud al-Hassan Saab Dangoy, Rahmatullahi, and it is based on Tasawuf. The third is the Darul Iftar website, www.darulifta.net. And there are many, many other websites that are linked to Walid Saab Rahmatullahi. And lastly, I would like to mention that our sheikh and our sheikh, sheikh our padr sheikh, Hazrat Mufti Mahmoud al-Hassan Saab Dangoy, Rahmatullahi, once Walid Saab Rahmatullahi spent 40 days in the Khanka in Gango, and after he had completed this training, that Walid Saab Rahmatullahi narrated a dream to his sheikh, Hazrat Mufti Mahmoud al-Hassan Saab Dangoy, Rahmatullahi, the great, the late Grand Mufti of India, that he had seen himself boxing with shaitan. And he could never defeat shaitan. So it was a constant fight and tug of war. So Hazrat Mufti Mahmoud al-Hassan Saab Dangoy, Rahmatullahi, said to Walid Saab Rahmatullahi, that the interpretation of this dream is inshallah you will defeat shaitan. So imagine that such a great mufti, the late grand mufti of India, the mufti Mahmoud al-Hassan sahab Gangai rahmatullahi, giving bashar to Walid sahab rahmatullahi that you will defeat shaitan. And my, my last point is that there are four important works of the ulama. The first is ta'aleem and tabliq. That is, we educate. The second is tasneef or ta'alif. That is, we compile different works and we spread those works. The third is tazkiyah, that how we reform people. And the last is khidmatul awam, that how we serve the masses through the jamiyatul ulama, through different, different organizations. And alhamdulillah, that Walid Sahib Rahmatullahi himself and his students are involved in all of these different, all of these four different works. And we make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants his students, grants the entire ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the tawfiq to continue Salam. with these four different works and to spread Walid Sahib Rahmatullah's teachings, inshallah. Inshallah. Marna, we want to say Jazakallah to you. It was a really inspirational program and I've learned a lot. Uh, there's so much that to, to think about and to, to speak about. Let uh, Allah bless you, your, me, your siblings, as well as the students of Walid Sahib Rahmatullah And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant him the highest of stages in Jannatul Firdos, inshallah. Ameen, 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 ameen. Jazakallah so much, uh, that was Hazrat Mufti Ismail Saab Desai, the son of Mufti Ibrahim Saab, rahmatullahi The program was just under two and a half hours and it felt it was only beginning. There was so much. We are grateful to Channel Islam International who joined in live. Obviously, Mufti Saab was the resident Mufti of Channel Islam. So Radio Islam as well, Brother Usama, was taken out an extra time to be able to, to go through us in the school evening. We are grateful to him as well, inshallah. Next week, we speak about Mulana. Yaqub Saab, rahmatullahi alayhi, an ustad from uh, the madrasa that was before in Harding, now in Port Shepston, and we will profile him, inshallah ta'ala. From myself, Ubaidullah Boja, my co-host this evening, Mufti Ismail, Brother Usama, and Hafiz Shu'aib that were with us. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.